we continue our sermon series, Full to the Brim, an Expansive Life. Looking today at a passage from the you to hear John, the voice of God speaking to us through these words of Holy Scripture. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had just raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three-quarters of a pound, a very expensive perfume made with pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained. This perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial. And this is how she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This story always strikes me. We've all already met Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in our story. We know that Jesus was close to these siblings. We don't always see them traveling among the disciples, but every time he's in Jerusalem, he seems to stay in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We have the story of Mary and Martha, the two sisters. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is busy trying to take care of everyone who's in the house. And Martha gets frustrated and says, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. There's a lot to do. And Jesus says, no. She's chosen the thing that's most needful for right now. We also know that Jesus was out of town, ministering in other areas, and receives the news that Lazarus, the brother of these sisters, is ill. He's not doing well, and they ask Jesus to come. Come, we know you can heal our brother. Jesus waits three days before he goes to be with them. And in that interim time, Lazarus passes away. I try to imagine what the sisters would have felt. Jesus, we've been with you. We believed in you. We've watched you do miracles for others. We've supported you with everything we have. And when we need something, you don't show up for us. One of the sisters comes very close to saying that. As she goes to meet him and her her first thing is, why weren't you here? Where were you? Because she didn't know that Jesus was fixing to bring him back to life. But that's what he does. So our story today takes place sometime soon after that. Lazarus has been resurrected. I have to imagine that made him a popular character in town. How many people wanted to go by and see the brother who had been dead but was no longer dead is alive? How many times the sisters were asked to tell the story? And they always point people to Jesus. Jesus did it. 
Jesus did it. So the next time Jesus is in town, they throw a party, not only to celebrate that, that Lazarus is alive, but to celebrate that Jesus, the one who did it, is now here with us. And at this party, where there would have been other people there reclining, as was the custom and eating, Mary comes in with this very expensive perfume. One of the sources that I found said this perfume was worth about a full year's worth of wages. That would have been a lot of money. And in front of everyone, she breaks it open and she puts it on Jesus' feet. She anoints him. This particular gospel writer doesn't tell us that she cried. I can't imagine how in that moment there would not have been emotion. One of, oh, how I misunderstood you not coming. Perhaps an, oh, how I misunderstood what I deserved for following you. I'm sorry that you, I thought you owed me for supporting you. But I also believe there's something else happening here. I believe Mary is among the few who has heard what Jesus has been saying and she realizes what is coming. He's here just outside Jerusalem and this is going to be the final time that he's going to visit them like this. It's the final time Jesus is going to come to Jerusalem because this time they're going to kill him. They've been trying for a while, and this time, they're going to do it. Another source has suggested that this was the perfume she bought to anoint her brother's body when he passed, and then hadn't needed because he was resurrected. So she takes something that was an evidence of her extravagant love for her brother, And it is now being used for her Savior. Not on one beloved, but on another beloved as it is poured out. It's a very extravagant gift. It's really quite a brazen act as well. Because first of all, she has used something that was incredibly expensive. It would have been extravagant and it would have been brazen. But for her to have come and anointed his feet in public was a very brazen act to do. When people of that time came into a house, they wore sandals, they walked on dirt roads, their feet were dirty. They would often, the lowest member of the servant in the house, would often help them wash their feet when they came in. So that, especially if they were coming for a meal, so that when they reclined, their dirty feet weren't obvious. It was an act of kindness, of hospitality. That probably happened earlier. This anointing is just a brazen act of beauty. An above and beyond, something that would not normally have been done. And we see the reaction of some of the disciples, in particular Judas, And John gives us an aside of telling us he didn't really care about the poor. That's not why he mentions the cost of the perfume. If it had been sold, he'd been able to take at least a portion of that and put it in his own pocket. So he's giving us a hint about the character of Judas already. 
But it is an extravagant thing. And for those of us who do care about the poor, who want to do ministry with the poor, there's a part of us that goes, oh, I, I would sound like Judas, but hopefully not with the same motivation, hopefully not for the same reasons. It brings up the question to us of the balance between extravagance and frugality, between being expansive, and being conservative. There is value in not wasting. There is value in making things go as far as they can, of choosing the right priorities for the things that we use our resources on. How do we know? Because in this situation, Jesus says, leave her alone. She's doing the right thing. This is twice that Mary has been questioned about whether or not she's doing the right thing. And Jesus has said, she is. Once was when she sat at his feet as a disciple instead of helping Martha serve. And now here, wasting, some would say, something so expensive. How do we know which way Jesus would say that we should use something? I think the answer only lies in allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. What does the Spirit of God say to us in this moment is the most needful? There are times we need to be frugal and times we need to be generous. And only the Holy Spirit can lead us correctly into which is which. I think that perhaps sometimes we are brazen and extravagant with the things God would have us be frugal with. And we are frugal with the things God might have us be expansive and brazen about. God might lead us to complain less, to sin less, to gossip less, to be selfish less. And he might encourage us to be more brazen and bold with sharing our love with the world. To overflowing and being full to the brim with grace and love and mercy. With justice and righteousness and peace. And all too often we are frugal with our words and our challenges and our stands that we take on things. Where is the right place? For us to land. This is a brazen act of beauty. And I believe she does it because she is responding to the brazen acts of love of her Savior. That God would come in human flesh and live and walk among them. That the Savior of the world would sleep in her home and share meals at her table. And discussions with her. That the light of the world would not rebuke her. For rebuking him for not coming sooner. Would give back her brother. In a world where she needed someone as head of their household. I think too that God gives us brazen acts of beauty. The brazen beauty of the world around us, of nature, 
of mountains and skies and streams and flowers and forests and fields. The brazen complexity of the human body, of the mind, of the emotions, of our ability to connect with one another. Perhaps we engage in brazen acts of beauty in response to the brazen acts of love of a living God. See, Jesus knew that today she anoints my feet with expensive oil because soon I will be in a grave that does something drastically different. And before this week is over, I will engage in a brazen act of love and beauty as I bow and wash my disciples' dirty feet. Loving them even when they don't understand. Even when they think that we should be frugal when we should be extravagant. So perhaps this passage invites us to consider how do we respond? Are we willing to engage in brazen acts of beauty in the world? Will we yield when the Holy Spirit calls us to such? Will we recognize it when God is at work? Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, help us never to take for granted the brazen acts of beauty, of love, of relationship that you extend to us. Through Christ our Savior, make us worthy of being your children, of living into what you have declared to be true. Surround us with your love, your grace, and your peace. Empower us by your Holy Spirit and teach us to live lives that are full to the brim and overflowing with brazen acts of beauty. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.